This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Let's talk this over. It's not like we're dead. Was it something I did? Was it something I said? Yeah. Something you said. Was it something I said? I, 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 it was something somebody said. And it caused all the problems. And unfortunately, now it's over. No, it's not. Metrospective just about the beginning on the back of Hot Oh No by Neil. Uh, Jeez, that was a, an absolute cracker for those who are listening to Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. But we're going to get stuck into our traditional Monday antics, even though it's a public holiday. Happy Labor Day, everybody. We are going to uh, try and find you some winners for the future based on what happened at the. 10 events, uh, or in the 10 events at Melton on Saturday night. It was a good card of racing, a difficult card of racing once again, but um, uh, we had some we had some good competitive contests, Clevy. Good morning, Bon. Good morning, Ollie. And also good morning, listeners. Yeah, what a terrific night it was. Uh, Jesus, it was a hard on the punt. There was... Um, what looked on paper to be probably an easy night uh, tipping winners, it turned out to be extremely hard. I don't know how you got on, but I had a shocker. Um, I, I snuck out the $7 best value in Shiella, but apart from that, it was uh, it was a bit of a strip out, I've got to say. Um, apart from the first race, we'll get stuck in. Um, Remy Lou wins. Uh, this is what we expected. Race experience, early speed, finds the front, and a little bit like the, uh, the win in the Premier Um Looks vulnerable, probably halfway up the straight, keeps kicking, got that competitive instinct that you want an early two-year-old and they're making hay while the sun shines. But I'll be telling you, the first of my black bookers will be coming up straight out of this first event by the name of She's a Tiny Dancer, Clevy. Yep, ditto to everything you just said there, mate. She's a tiny dancer, was huge in defeat. Uh, green as grass, just kept hanging in down the straight, kept getting in on the wheel of Michael Stanley's horse, couldn't drive sort of really drive that horse out until very late and she made a real dash of it um i know that you know i mean she got beaten one and a half meters but if she had gone straight from the top of the straight i think she would have made a race of it and i think she'll take a real lot out of that experience and uh i'd expect to see a lot of improvement but uh remy lou as you say just ultra professional just how you want an early two-year-old to be got to the front never looked sort of in doubt from there but um yeah, definitely. All the uh, eyes are on She's a Tiny Dancer. Soho Vesperlin went good sitting in the desk seat. Not sure that really suited her. It was pretty much a walk in the park most of the way. 29-9, 33 for the second quarter, 31-1 and just zipped up the straight in 27-5. So getting home that quick sort of shows how good a run She's a Tiny Dancer was when doing everything wrong. Still managed a 27.1 last quarter. Yeah, there's no doubt. Again, I mean, we said this last week. We're trying to work out where Remy Lou's going to sit in the um, in the pantheon. 
is very difficult, but certainly has that professionalism. And the key is when uh, when you're running on adrenaline like that, that you've got a little bit of a kick in the locker. And Remy Lou's been able to find it again. But uh, yes, hold me closer, Tony Dancer. She's a Tony Dancer. The reason she goes into the Black Book, uh, not just on the performance, but the trial beforehand was impressive. So you kind of want to see that there's been something shown at the trials and then something at the races, and that's what we've got from She's a Tiny Dancer. And we do know that um, when he gets hold of a good one, Leroy O'Brien is a, um, a a pretty smart trainer. Yeah, absolutely. He can get the young ones running. So, as you say, uh, you know, nice trial now, nice first start. You'd expect it's going to improve lengths on that, and and it doesn't really need to improve much to be winning. So, uh, yeah, certainly in my black book as well, Bob. All right, we might take an early break here, come back and get some audio up and also some of these interviews, some of these great interviews from the Saturday night coverage on Trot's Vision. We'll be back in just a moment with more Metrospective here on the Labor Day public holiday right here on SEN Track. Three metres, Rosarito Miss got past Bonnie Bell. Gypsy Princess in front, Rosarito Miss is cutting it down. It's Gypsy Princess, the outside. Rosarito Miss, Gypsy Princess clinging on though and wins. Gypsy Princess from Rosarito Miss, Bonnie Bell. And that was race two of ten at Vicarnas headquarters on Saturday night. It did look on paper the Gypsy Princess was the um, clearly the best of the front row runners, but it was Chris Alford at his very best, wasn't it, Clevy? Just to be able to fire that girl uh, off the gate, find the front comfortably. Now. It wasn't easy, seven-second lead time, 28-5 first quarter, and they kept rolling. So when you uh, are breaking 30 seconds for every quarter of your final mile, um, you are giving everybody else an opportunity to some degree, but she kept kicking Gypsy Princess, and it was a, a pretty brave win in the end. She's well-bred by betting line out of Christian Melody. She's always shown a fair bit of ability, um, and she got the chocolates here. I thought there were a number of other good runs in the race. What's your, what was your opinion of the win, first of all, of Gypsy Princess? Yeah, firstly, the horse has gone super. The The main point that I took out of this race was Chris Alford absolutely gave a lesson to anybody who wants to learn how to drive a front runner. There is no question about it. He is the greatest front running driver in Australasia. I don't know if you'd argue with it, but I certainly couldn't find an argument for well, it. I don't think, I don't, no, you're not going to get any arguments from me. I don't, I, <laughs> there's, there's certainly none better. He... Came off the gate, he didn't come out negative, he didn't come out positive. So he's come out of barrier five, didn't just grab hold, didn't just charge out, summed it up for a good 70 to 80, 90 metres and said, you know what, the lead is mine, and then he took off. So he sort of gave himself a chance to work out the race, took the front, then he, once he got to the front, as you say, the sectionals were really good, 28.45. He did back that off. It, they've gone 29.83, but the first half of that quarter, I reckon he backed off to a 31.5 sort of tempo. It was enough to give that horse a breather. That then got the favourite off and running coming around. And as soon as that favourite got within a length and a bit, then the pace went back on, which quickened that second quarter up to 29.83, 28.8 down the back, made it impossible for the favourite who had done so much work to get there to be able to run it down. 28.28 last quarter, absolutely just owned the race, basically. So that was sensational on Chris Alford's behalf. The horse is absolutely flying. And as you say, it's brilliantly bred too. So hopefully we'll see her continue on. And another terrific drive here. We're just going to keep wrapping up drivers, I think. Uh, Greg Sugars, uh, three pegs. He knew the horse in front of him was not the one he wanted to be following. The opportunity came on the first corner, straight off the pegs, ended up 1-1. 
One out, two back halfway through the race, got home, ran second. Had he stayed three pegs, he would have been dragged out of it at the 600 metres and had no hope. So Greg driving his typical, you know, slice and and weave and dive sort of race sort of got him into the second position, which was uh, another great drive. And Bonnie Bell, it has gone absolutely huge. I was hoping, I was on Bonnie Bell, and I was really hoping that uh, young Zach around the corner when, when Chris had him really under pressure... We've spoke about this before. I wish he had it dropped on his back just for 50 metres. He was never going to beat him where he was at. So take that opportunity to drop in, get that horse's mindset back on the job, try and get it up on the bit, and then come and have another crack. He's only been beaten a length. It's just gone huge, and and that's something that I'm really big on. If your horse is struggling, you're not going to improve by just doing the same thing. No, uh she is a bit, I guess she is a little bit of a, a grinder, but I couldn't agree with you more. But uh, I'll tell you what, there would have been people, we, I was in the same boat as you, I um, I tipped and backed Bonnie Bell. And then you sort of watch the race and you go, oh, you know, I, I reckon we could have, you know, should we have won that race? But then you go back, this is what Metrospective is all about. This is what doing your replays is all about. The run was excellent, as you mentioned. So you go back to the win, uh, four starts back was in the breeze, 57.6 um, over the middle trip is probably more like um, a high 54, maybe 55, um, a mile over the 17.20. Then you go to the win two starts prior to that, 56.5 over the mile. So they've gone 54.5 here, had to make a move at a difficult time. As you mentioned, Chris Elverdine gets running. So that is the brilliance of what you talk about with the front-running driving, uh, just owning the race and then as soon as your danger wants to come around, and um, and get comfortable outside of you. You say, no, you've made the charge up to get outside of me. Now I'm going to keep you running. And that's what happened to Bonnie Bell. And she was uh, she was really good. I think the only other run really to mention from the race, Orby just had everything went wrong. Um, it just seems to be happening a little bit for Orby since that since that breakthrough victory. Things are just not going quite to plan for her. Sassiola was quite good. Um, probably everybody else went about as well as you'd expect, I reckon, Clavy. Yeah, probably the only other one I really liked to run was Heavenly Charm. Yeah. I'm actually putting it in the black book. Right. Uh, a lot of people had speed mapped it to go forward from seven. As I said to Ryan on Saturday night on Trots Vision, I said, Chris Finozio is a brilliant trainer driver, as in he knows his horses because he trains them. And another thing we've spoken about compared to just freelance drivers was I could not see Chris hurting this horse. He's been going super so why was he going to sting it off the gate from barrier seven and maybe not have a horse? No, I hope in Hades was going forward. Exactly. And yet on Saturday night, they were all thinking he's we're going to put the pace in at the start. Yeah. He's gone back. He's weaved his way through. He's ran home absolutely excellent. And the horse has still got huge confidence and will pull up brilliantly and go around next week. I'm putting it in the black book because I was really impressed with how it hit the line. Um, yeah. So as you say, the first five I was really happy with. But um, yeah, hats off. See Alfred just... Driver of the night right there. Race three, we'll get the audio of Gaelic Lad getting the job done for little Terry Young and the winningest horsewoman in the history of the world, Kerrin Manning. And then straight after that, we'll get the thoughts of Kerrin Manning about the win of Gaelic Lad. A line of three on the turn. Gaelic Lad, Love Gun, Kaivelli Piero. Into the straight they head. Love Gun levels up with Gaelic Lad. Kaivelli Piero out wider wants to wander up the track. It's Love Gun and Gaelic Lad. Kaivelli Piero trying to peg them back from Sangrio. Gaelic Lad kicks on here. It's Gaelic Lad in front and he's going to win. Gaelic Lad from Love Gun. There's Gaelic Lad's winning. If uh, if Ollie's on the buttons, hopefully we can get the little interview from Kieran Manning right now as well with Shannon O'Sullivan.
to like him now after that win. Um, obviously, <laughs> he said he can be a funny horse, but you've got to say, he, he did a good job tonight. He did, yes. I, I, I'm proud that he was able to win a race down here. He's been knocking on the door for, for a while. And um, Terry and Carol, yeah, lovely people. We've known them for, for a long time. And they bring him out to Dad's every every day to work him. So they're very dedicated that way. And, um, yeah, he's he's a very tall horse and they're very short people. So they have a little bit of trouble um, getting his bridle on and things like that. So, uh, you know, he'll be in the good books now for sure. And, um, yeah, I'm just glad he was able to win for that. You have to there's Kieran Manning, um, that wonderful smile and that little giggle. And uh, Terry Young, I, I don't know, hopefully he's, he's in better health because Terry was um, going through some health struggles not too long ago. But Gaelic lad, I absolutely love this horse, uh, Clevy. I've been, I've been sort of uh, wanting to tip him each way at big odds recently. I thought he would find the front here. I thought ultimately that Kai Valley Piero would probably take over. But um, Chris was qu- quite protective of Kai Valley Piero. Gullick Lab was able to hold the front, and you've just lauded and deified the front-running uh, tactics of the puppet Chris Alford in the previous. Willis was pretty good as well. 47-3, 32-2, 31-1, and then just ripping home in 57-7. Really di- totally dictated terms, did Kez. Yeah, got away with murder and uh, owned the race. I think they just underestimated that horse. And I suppose you can understand why he, he sort of does, you know, he sticks on really well, but he, he never looks like he's going to sort of run away and win a race by a big margin. And and maybe that just sort of, you know, lulled the other drivers into a false sense of security, thinking they'd be able to outdash him. But Kez was on the ball. She had the plugs out a long way from home and started getting up him from about the 500-metre mark, 29-7 down the back, 28-1 home, and made it extremely hard for anything to uh, make ground. I had a big question mark on Kai Valley Piero going into the race, and I, I know there was raps on him, but I thought his win the week before was just okay. It was in the death seat, but in very slow times, and some weaker class horses made up some huge ground on him late. But then watching him Saturday night, I, I just think he's better driven with a set because he hit the line excellent. So he's certainly getting back to his best. Love gun, sticks on well, but uh, yeah, hats off to Kez. The, uh, the typical case with these races, and there were a few of them throughout the course of the night, it were, I, I find this more and more often, uh, Clevy, that the Saturday night at Melton is very much divided between absolute walk and sprint races and then really very competitive <laughs> races in terms of tactics. And the trick for us is to work out which one's going to be which. Exactly, and it's always the opposite to what you expect or what you hope. So I know I had a few races speed maps differently, and it just totally turned upside down, and and that's why I had a pretty terrible night on the uh, on the selections. Well, this, uh, but this is a classic case. This race, when you're going that slowly, it's hard to assess every every other run of the race, really. So. Love Gun was good, but when you're a dollar thirty-three favourite, are you entitled to win? Kai Valley Piero did hit the line well. Sangria was okay. I thought Icicle's run was was good. It was getting home uh, very well late, but at the end of the day, these sort of races um, they suit some horses more than others. Number one and number two, everyone's entitled to get home relatively well, aren't they? Yeah, certainly. You want to see them all hitting the line. And, and when you actually go through the sectionals, pretty much every horse, well, actually, the winner didn't. The winners got home in 28.1. Every other horse going back to Icicle have all broke 28 their last quarter. So they're all running 27s for their final sectionals. So they have all hit the line pretty well. But as you say, when you go that slow early, you'd want to be hitting the line that quick.
So he's only had 26... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Terry Young factor. I don't know what it is. But Gaelic Lad feels a lot older than four years of age to me for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. I always thought he was about an eight or a nine-year-old, to tell you the truth. Is it his name? What's going on there? Because I'm looking at a 26 starts. He's a four-year-old Goldie. I'm thinking, surely that's not Gaelic Lad. He's um, yeah. he's an old boy, isn't he? he is. Well, he seems like he is, but... Um yeah, I should say he's sort of well. He's just so ultra consistent. I think that's the thing with him. He's just because he's always in the money and he's always around the the mark. It seems like he's just always been there. So possibly makes it feels like he's been around for a lot longer than he has. Give me a take on Gareth. Or just that was stealthy. I, I honestly had no idea he was there, and he was snuck up behind me to grab his vest, and he scared the living bejesus out of me. Um, right, give me your assessment on Love Gun, please. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought Love Gun, maybe, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. Even though the leader got such a good run, I expect him to be able to sort of shoot past it. Um, it's got really good high speed. I Yeah, I, I I think Greg definitely let the leader get away too much. I would have liked to have seen him get up and get a bit closer. But uh, it's, yeah, it's a catch-22. But I, yeah, I wasn't wrapped with his run. I, I expected him to win, even with the run that it had, with the leader getting away with what it did. I still expect him to win and, and probably win comfortably. Um, before we go to the news, we're talking about five minutes of our sleeves, and I want to wait and hold back before we get to the local garage. What was the, um, nice to be back on course, and what was the coverage like out there on Saturday night with Trots Vision? Yeah, we had a really good coverage. It was quite a nice night. We got out there and... Uh, Got amongst the drivers, and uh, we had Andy on for an interview about uh, Catch a Wave winning the Miracle Mile. Uh, Brent Lilly with uh, chatting about Elder Baron Zeus taking out the big race uh, up in Menangle. And then I also got to chat with Kate Gath, the uh, Miracle Mile winning Reigns woman. They're only the fourth Reigns woman in history to win the Miracle Mile. And uh, yeah, she was just over the moon. and. Kate's just, I mean, she's just a gem to chat to. She's always gives you as much time as you need. And, you know, she she chatted about the whole race from the, the worrying false start to uh, how she felt during the run. And I asked her at the top, you know, I said, Menangle's such a long straight. I said, how did you feel at the top of the straight? Were you really confident or were you a little bit worried that maybe, you know, Spirit of St. Louis could pull out and go past you? And she said, look, the sectionals I got away with. She said, uh, it, it's hard to be that confident in a miracle mile. She said, but I was pretty confident. Yeah, it was, uh, I think we spoke about that infinitum and certainly you uh, were as voiceover as anybody about what a great drive it was and, um, you can only try and get away with murder, and if they let you get away with murder, well, you get away with murder, don't you? Um, you take it. One uh, one factor, so the, I've already uh, penned the articles for the Herald Sun tomorrow and for the forum, and one thing we'll be talking a little, uh, talking about more a little bit later in Metrospective is um, the week-to-week uh, resurgence of the veterans. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny sort of a thing. Once upon a time in harness racing, uh, you had to do your apprenticeship. Normally, you were, you know, six years of age at very least before you could win on the grand circuit. We can see that that has um, done virtually a 180 um, with Catch a Wave four-year-old winning the Miracle Mile, and we see this more and more regularly with the big races being taken out by the younger horses. But the one thing that I don't think should be forgotten, and we know we've got an incredible leakage of horses to North America, is there may have been a revolution, an evolution and a revolution with the younger horses in the big races. But if you've got either a late developer or um, uh, just just a warrior, just a bottomless warrior that will keep going, 
there are still many opportunities to win good money with older horses in Victoria and right around Australia. But certainly we've seen last week we're having a lull that I think uh, only one of the open age races at Melton was not taken out by an eight-year-old. And we had another couple of eight-year-olds win on Saturday night. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell it to every owner that don't take the cash when it's offered from somewhere else because I know sometimes economically you have to do that. But I think sometimes... Um, they get sold a little bit too early or moved on or even retired when there's quite often life in the old legs. And, again, you might not be winning the uh, the grand circuit races necessarily, but if you're winning on a Saturday night at Melton, it's still pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that uh, trend continues next Saturday night when Mirakuru lines yeah. back up because he's eight years old now too. But, uh, unfortunately, he's only had about 42 race starts in his eight years. So he's been a confusing one. But, yeah, it, it really is. The, the rating system certainly has uh, altered the way a lot of these older horses sort of can get back into the, their racing pattern and, and get back into the winner's circle. And, and look, it's great. If an owner's going to sit there and pay up for a horse for that long, then – you know, it's great to see him getting a return because uh, the hardest thing about this game is the upkeep of your horses. It, it's not cheap, um, and if you're not getting a return on, with you know, with prize money, then uh, then naturally the horses get moved on, and then like you say, all of a sudden we have less stock and and everything else. So the fact that these horses can still be so competitive at an older age and keep that money coming in for the owners, they'll just keep reinvesting. There's no worries about that. It, it's when they can't get a return for their money that they stop reinvesting. Yeah, and the, but there is the other the other case too, though, where you're going through your grades and I, I have always felt that on occasions um, people probably uh, underrate their horses and say they've reached their mark, but you don't have to reach your mark in the same way with that national rating system and the snakes and ladders. So you can go up and down and around and quite often um, – you just need the experience. Some of these horses are pretty slow developers, and and they need uh, they need the racing. Oh, and I'll be honest, uh, I'm going to get back in the ownership game relatively soon. Uh, now that we're allowed to be involved in horses again, and I'm thinking, I'll to lock my, you in. I'm thinking, to, I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, how much is it worth? I, I know you can get this money sometimes from overseas, but how much is it worth to be able to go to the track and watch your horse race? I mean, I, 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 I know sometimes it's too good to be true and when they're offering ridiculous money, particularly if you know your horse has gone through the grades quickly and maybe you think uh, it looks better than it actually is and people are going to work out a little bit later if we keep racing it here, then the price is going to drop because they're going to realise it's a little bit limited here, there and everywhere. But I do think that the value of being able to go and watch your horse race, go to the track, go there with your mates and enjoy the night has got to be worth something as well. Let's go to the news, come back more retrospective with Steve Cleave and Jay Bond straight after this. Now, got the better of uh, second key, Englavana, but it's Queen Alida. She's opening up. She's showing her class now. Raced away. Electro Jet gets into second spot. Sleepy's not finishing it off, but it's all Queen Alida, and Queen Alida wins easily. Queen Alida first, second Electro Jet, third will go Sleepy in front of Key Englavana. Majestic Chick not far away. That was the win of Queen Alida, and a little bit after this, I believe Shannon O'Sullivan caught up with Brent Lilly to talk about Queen Alida and also Elder Baron Zeus. We'll get to that in just a moment. But um, I, I know I must be the one that got Queen Elida to win because I think I've tripped her 163 times in a row and then I jumped off and she belts them. Here's uh, Shannon O'Sullivan with Brett Lilly. 
area, the winning owners area with Queen Elida taking out that event. Um, we're here with Group 1 winning trainer Brent Lilly. Obviously, you took out the Group 1 Hammerhead Trot Mile up at Miracle Mile up in Menangle the other day. How are you feeling after that? Oh, well, no, it certainly made the drive home easier. Shannon, thanks, yeah. Um, no, Zeus was great. And, um, yeah, just a big relief to have um, Ida back on track too. Um, you know, uh, things hadn't gone, uh, you know, good for us, you know, through the... From the Inter-Dominion to the Southern Stars, she'd had a few issues and um, things. So um, just great to see her back to what we know she can be. I was say, you, you've won so many good races. We've got such great horses, these two. Is there a favourite between these two? Oh, it's a dead heat for sure. Look, I, I had to get to touch them. Tracy, um, my partner, does all the work with them, um, uh, virtually sleeps with them. Um, so, um, look, you know, she, uh, yeah, like I say, she, she does all the work and uh, and um, I just get the accolades and get to go to the winning room afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, with the win, obviously, last week at Manangle, how'd that feel against such a, a quality field? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we were very confident that he would go a great race and he's super over the mile. So, um, uh, yeah, when we finally got a draw, was, I think it's the first time, you know, we'd drawn inside Just Believe uh, in a race where we could lead. So um, our intentions were to put the, you know, handlebars down and catch us if you can. And um, he was really strong and, and run a good time. And um, so, no, it was uh, great to, you know, great to get a bit of luck with him. I was going to say, once he sort of found that front quite comfortably, we sort of think this is his race to lose? Yeah, well, I did. It's just, you know, it's a long straight, you know, at Menangle. And, um, uh, you know, he didn't have to burn too hard early, but uh, yeah, he still, you know, I think with fractions, they went uh, 27 and 29, 27, 27. And um, so, yeah, it's still a long straight, but he, he found the line good. And um, so, yeah, no, it's still a, just a, a wee bit weary how long that straight is, yeah. It is quite long. Um, what's sort of the short-term plan with this horse going forward? Have you sort of got any races marked down for him? Uh, for Zeus, um, yeah, we're probably going to take him to New Zealand. Um, this, um, they're obviously the, the last race over there is the Row Cup, but the first race at Cambridge uh, is a $50,000 over the mile there. So um, with, you know, Bolt for Brilliance on the sideline and uh, Sunday Sun uh, recently retired, um, obviously Muscle Mountain's um, uh, the benchmark over there, but, um, yeah, we're not going to beat him uh, sitting at home in our box. I was going to say, are you going to bring Chris over for those drives if you do have those horses in? Uh, if he's nice to me. <laughs> With, obviously, Queen Elida, she was amazing tonight back at her best. Were you sort of happy coming into this race? She did trial well? Uh, yes, yeah, she did, and she always sort of needs a couple of trials, but we, we were confident that she was getting back on track and back to where she needed to be. Um, but, yeah, we, we knew tonight she was in desperate need of the race, um, so it probably worked in our favour that they didn't go hard, but she rounded them up. Um, you know, she showed that speed that we know she's got, so... Um, yeah, really, you know, look excited, looking forward to the um, 75,000, the, the good mares race here in two weeks' time, and then um, the good race in Menangle with her, yeah. Are you going to go and take her over to New Zealand and be a stable mate for Aldebar and Zeus as well? Is that on the plans? Uh, probably not at this stage. There's, um, I think after um, the mares race here, um, then there's Menangle, and then there's another three mares races here. So it probably makes sense to leave her at home. I mean, they're both only five, which is, um, you know, as we know, young for a trotter. So, um, yeah, look, I think she'll probably stay at home and we'll probably target the end of the minions with her and um, at the end of the year and, and maybe not Zeus, yeah. Well, 
obviously go and enjoy your win here in the winners room. It's been lovely to talk to you and yeah, hopefully good luck in the future with both of them. Thanks, Shannon. Beautiful. There you go. That was a great interview with Shannon O'Sullivan and, uh, and Brent Lillian. Look, uh, th- there's no doubt I can understand why uh, Lils wants to target the mayor's races because Queen Elida and so two things here. One, I didn't know and probably nobody knew except those very close to the stable that Queen Elida had had some hiccups in between the Inter Dominion and the Great Southern Star. So sometimes we judge horses in ways that we um, shouldn't because we don't know the full story. But Going back to Mayor's Grade here, I did tip Slevy. This was the Queen of Lida that um, I thought I thought was the best trotter in the country, Clevy, just utterly freakishly dominant. They walked and she's just so she's so naturally fast and can hold it comfortably for eight hundred metres. When she's in this kind of mood, I almost can't wait to fast forward to the end of the year and let's have another crack at the interdominions because I think she's just gonna bash the mares going forward for the next little while. Yeah, for sure. She is just absolute class. I, I watched her trial and, and it wasn't much, but Chris said in his uh, pro-race interview early in the night that he didn't need to ask much and reckoned that, you know, he could have just let her run and ran straight past him. So, unfortunately, he didn't tell us that earlier. Uh, <laughs> if I had known that when I was doing my notes, I might have thought about it a little bit more. So, I had a little bit of a question mark on where she was first up. Thought maybe, you know, she's a gross-doing mare. Maybe the run will just do her the world of good. Um, and, and I had Keyang Labana on top. It, my speed map got thrown out because I thought, and I quickly asked uh, Anthony Butt in the parade ring about O Fortuna going forward because I know a few of them thought that you know Sleepy would just get the front the front and do it its her own way but uh I, I could see Ofer Jr leading and wanting to hold up and Ant said yes to both of those and I thought wow this is really going to suit it up for uh Keang Labana just to sit on its back and and get the run of the race and of course then it galloped before the start and threw that speed map right out the window Keang Labana leads hold sleepy out 32 7 32 4 then they get 28 8 36 and 28 49 last half in 56 8 and as you say uh, Queen Elida's just got that much high speed that nothing could go with her. And Chris even said after the race, he goes, look, this was their opportunity to beat me by getting out and running, which is what I thought Ofertuna would do. He said, but they've gone that slow. He said, they've just played into her hands. And I mean, that's just a fast work run for her. She would do that every second day of the week just to keep fit. So, uh, yeah, they basically handed the tour on a silver platter and uh, and she took full advantage of it and said, see you later. And that'll just improve her too fitness-wise. She hasn't been knocked around and and she'll come off that run and, and, and you know, just improve from there. But one thing I did note, she looked fitter Saturday night, I reckon, than I've ever seen her in her life. She looked amazing. Not, not big no, and gross not like hard normal. For her, not hard for her to do. She quite often goes into good races looking like a chunky monkey, doesn't she? Exactly. And I, I was really shocked at how fit and racy she looked. And, and you can understand how she peels off that speed when she's like that too. She's uh, she's an amazing mare. And as you say, she's going to build up these mares quite a fair bit over the next 12 months. It's, it's, it's freaked me out for a, a long time. And uh, is why I, I was kind of a little bit perplexed that she didn't win one of the big races against the boys. But now I know a little bit more that I've really seen a trotter, if ever in my memory, who seems to be able to accelerate so comfortably without looking like they're going... Like, she doesn't look like like she's taking off. It's just power cruising. And 56.8, and to do it as easily as she did it, 
is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. We talk, we've, we talk about it regularly with the Trotters these days that, you know, they never used to run these times, but 56-8, pretty amazing. I tell you, I, sometimes it's a very fine balancing line, isn't it? With a horse like Keying Lavana. Keying Lavana's been, well, just an amazing comeback story for a start, but had absolutely been flying. Now, tell me your thoughts here, Clevy. You look at the times and you say, well, you led, but you did no work. Can it be such a fine line that even being run off the gate a, a little bit like that, when that hasn't been what you've been doing of recent times, can can um, can upend you, or is she just way below her best? I think both her and Sleepy were miles, miles below their best. Electra Jet is a sixty-eight class, and I know it's got ability, but it went straight past them and beat them by over eleven meters. And then, you know, like that's a 68 class against a 120 Raider, 119 Raider. They are way better than what they went. They should have been, even if they get beat, they should have been second and third in that race and especially the way it was run. So I don't know if there's been vet checks or anything like that done, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe both of those have come to the end of uh, their tether for this prep. You just, you never know when it's going to happen. The only thing for Sleepy, I thought two things, um, Mate, well, Jason Lee made his um, intentions relatively clear, I suppose, but um, charging forward and and, um, and still having another track for the front, I don't know whether that would have helped. And she did sort of get into a, a little bit of jostling late and lost her cadence and lost her gait, but still, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't make an argument that they both weren't a fair way below their best. We've already spoken about a Fortuna. The only thing with Electrojet, I know she's not that highly rated, but tell you what, has always had a fair bit of ability and she's not going to be able to avoid Queen Elida too, too often if you want to go in these races. But at that rating level, it's almost got to be a black book because there's got to be a race right around the corner for her. A hundred percent, a 68 rated. I mean, she can go in, uh, you know, quite often. But they have these, you know, 70 to 79s or one Metro win or any of those sort of races. And, and she's not going to be bumping into any of the horses in this field except for maybe Majestic Chick. And, and she, uh, you know, she gapped her by, what, another 12 metres. So, yeah, it's it's certainly a black booker in mine. And um, the way it hit the line, that, that would have been a really good confidence run for her too. Here's lunch with Arthur winning race five. Before we go to a break, this is the first leg of the quaddie on Saturday night. This will get us halfway through the meeting. Robbie O'Connell and Zach Phillips combining. Lunch with Arthur with a kick here. Got away on Shawnee. Led it two metres. Then Medina Sky tipsy-turvy. It's Lunch with Arthur in front with 100 left to go, though. He's clear. He's holding his rivals, Lunch with Arthur. And Arthur's too good. Arthur wins by three metres. Lunch with Arthur, the winner. Second place to Shawnee, who kicked on strongly. Outstanding win uh, to lunch with Arthur, um, Robbie O'Connell and Zach Phillips. Georgie Coram would have been extremely excited, I've got no doubt about it. And I'll tell you what was an absolute disaster. Um, last week, couldn't get burning questions over the line because um, the co-host, Andy Gath, was uh, up at Port Ferry. Um, and I was gonna, and the other uh, people I had slated to come on, well, I tried puppet early, but Zach Phillips and Laura Crosland. So it would have been an all-star cast because Laura wins a little bit later. Um, spoiler alert with Shiella and lunch with Arthur here. This was uh, a good win. They're pretty incredible. I'm thinking magical. I'm thinking so many horses. Robbie O'Connell and Zach Phillips. Um, Zach's still a young man. He doesn't drive as often as he used to. He's got his horse transport company, but they're a dangerous combination when they do get together, Clevy. 
Yeah, they certainly are. Look, Zach's an absolute star driver. There's no question about that. He's got a great set of hands on him. Horses run for him, and he can read a race and set up a race beautifully. So, you know, it's a shame that he's not driving more often because he's certainly right up there at the top of the tree. Lunch with Arthur, he's just going strength to strength, this prep. He's He's got a bit of age on him, and he's had a few injury setbacks. But uh, right now, he's really at the top of his game. Uh, especially with Kieron being scratched, I thought it just set the race up for him really well. Uh, really hard for Shawnee to get around and, and uh, have to do that bit of work to get around outside of him. Just took its toll. But look, he's going to work his way up through him. He's only had eight race starts, so we can't go knocking on him too much. Tipsy Turvy got home well. I got laughed at uh, Saturday night on air and I tipped Medina Sky to put in your first fours at $151. <laughs> It gets up and runs third, paid $10 a place. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a great first ball from there. It was just filled in a bit of value and uh, happy days. Always trying to find a little bit of a value that uh, that one was exactly what we were after at 10 bucks a place. But it's actually going really well and, and probably worth watching, but maybe just more back in the country into its own grade than, than maybe hitting uh, Melton. But it's knocking on the door to win a race. It was uh, very good going back to about Vic Bread time uh, 12 months ago and maybe just hasn't done a lot since then, but it's always had the ability. So another one, I'm not going to black book it, but I'm certainly going to put a watch against it. This is a uh, this is another race. Well, no, a couple of points here. One, Greg Sugar's on Medina's guy. It's just amazing how much the top drivers can can lift horses at times. Um, but this was another great like, drive from Zach Phillips here. Shawnee's um, three wide to the breeze. Had to do it when you're drawn out the back over 1,720 metres. And for Zach to know, look, I'm just I'm going to roll here 28 8, 29 2, and I'm going to make the first half of the race quicker than the second half, knowing we've got this horse hard fit and we're going to make life hard for our major danger. There was there, there were more than one uh, there was more than one brilliant front running drive on Saturday night. Oh, there really was, and and as I said to Zach in the uh, interview after the race, I said your race winning move. I thought was as soon as Shawnee got there, he'd done enough work that he knew the pressure was not coming, and he backed it off to a thirty point three six. Your third quarter is never your slowest quarter, and yet it was in this race, and that was the breather that he needed to get that horse to really find the line as strong as he did. And a little bit like Chris's run earlier, he backed it off at the right time to get a breather. And then when the favourite came, he got running. So a lot of drivers would have said, ah, the favourite's up outside me now. Let's put the handlebars down and let's get going to make that horse really uncomfortable and make it work hard. Zach went the other way. He just grabbed hold, put the brakes on and said, well, time for us to catch a breather. Let's see what you got at the finish. Shorty never gave in. I thought it was a good run. He's 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 got come a long way very quickly. That was only I think his eighth or ninth race start. Ninth race start, I believe. We might go for a break. There's one more horse I want to discuss when we come back because I thought he was going to be maybe the best of his generation, and it's just not working out. Kai Valley Hot Spur, and we'll also talk about race six. It is the Metrospective Edition of Trot's Life here on your Labor Day weekend or Monday, I should say, on SEN Track with Steve Cleveland. Jay Bond back in a moment. Very short seg this one. Um, yeah, Kai Valley Hotspur. Talk to me. What What is going on with this horse? Yeah, don't know. Don't know. He was... Uh, I thought there were signs of life to start, but like not huge signs of life, but I thought there was a pulse at the previous start. And um, he was so exciting. So exciting as a younger horse. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's his mind or whether it's his body. I don't know if he's got issues, but Chris went back to the pegs and... 
yeah, he just never found up the straight. He he just, I don't know, he didn't even look like he was really mind-on-the-job sort of stuff. So I think uh, I think the stable's got a little bit to work out with him. He's, uh, yeah, he's a bit confusing. But like you say, he had so much ability and, and looked like a horse of the future. But, hmm, geez, don't know where he's at now. You go back through his form, you know, since November, the, the closest he's run is fourth, um, you know, out of about 10 starts. So... Yeah, big, big question mark. You never know, do you, with with the young horses, particularly young trotters, though. You just never you, – you, you can think you've got an idea about the ones that are going to progress, but you really don't because they are they do have to keep on uh, improving. Sometimes you look at the times when they're young and you think, well, they don't have to get much better. But the toughness, the versatility, mentally you just spoke about, the psychological application, all of these things have to keep developing – for you to become an elder Baron Zeus rather than a Kai Valley Hotspur at the moment. That's that's pretty much just how it works, isn't it? Yeah, so the only only thing that I'll put up for him is I think he's a way better horse out in front. Now, I backed him in the Derby final. Uh, uh, yeah, the Derby final where he found the front. Elder Baron Zeus sat on his back and could not out-sprint him. I don't know what went wrong uh, in the Breeders' Crown uh, final where he... Um, he had vet, vet examination scoped. There was a follow-up report. I'm not sure what's happened, but he, he just hasn't fired since then. But he's also coming from behind. So interesting to see if he finds yeah. a front, if he's a different horse or not. Yeah, we've got to take but this. I don't think so. No, maybe. Um, we're going to take this break and then come back for a very, very short segment to finish off the first hour here of the Metrospective Edition of Trot's Life on us in Track. Welcome back. We've got about... 40 seconds up our sleeves here, so a couple of very short segments. Uh, but we will come back and talk about race six in the second hour. Uh, race six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. But Courageous Saint, another magnificent drive this time from a young man who I've got big, big raps on, Jack Law. There were some great front-running drivers, but this might have been nearly drive of the night for me. Just uh, found the perfect spot, and I reckon there was a good push from a friend of mine who does a smattering of race calling on the side named Dan Malecki on the Friday form panel. Courageous Saint, the second eight-year-old in a row to win lunch with Arthur into Courageous Saint. We'll talk about that, District Attorney and others. And, of course, the wonderful win for one of my favourite bears, Shiella, a little bit later as well. But that'll be in the second hour. We'll take in the news now, find out what's happening in the world and come back with more retrospective. It is Trot's Life on a Monday, public holiday. Hopefully you're enjoying. Back soon. Celestial Fragrance. It's Courageous Saint from District Attorney. Courageous Saint's in front. Courageous Saint will do it again. Courageous Saint wins at second District Attorney and for third pass guarantee. Well, it's taken him a fair while, Courageous Saint, but he is out of a great family. So these are the siblings. Saint flashback in the day. Um, Torrid Saint, $442,000. has been all of these good ones, but Courageous Saint is now... Well, flying through, now he's up to $230,000 in prize money. This, that can't be right, can it? $230,000 for uh, Courageous Saint. So, um, been a nice horse, but certainly going through a purple patch of form. But I tell you what, it was a funny old race, Cleavy. Um, mm. Pars Guarantee had to do a bit of work to find the front. District Attorney puts him to bed on the turn. Good night, nurse. See you later, Pars Guarantee. Thanks for playing hard. Then... District Attorney starts to flatten out a little bit. Pars Guarantee fights back. Celestial Fragrance looks like it's going to bomb the lot. Courageous Saint, 
hits the front. Looks like it's going to draw away from District Attorney, who then fights back and ever hoping crawls up behind them. He didn't know where to look in that last 150 metres. No, but you could hear the smile on Dan Malecki's face just as it went over the line, I reckon. He's, yeah. he's best bet at this two Done weeks in a row. And I reckon you could just hear a smile appear as he realised that it was holding on to win. It was, uh, yeah, great tipping by Dan. It was a great call. He, uh, courageous, ain't he? He really has. He's gone uh, gone super both runs up now for the stable. Jack Law. Uh, Ryan gave him a bit of a rap after the race and Jack turned around and he goes, mate, I'll tell you what, anyone could have driven that horse tonight. He said it was just that easy a drive. He, he said all I did was sit there and steer. So uh, he, uh, he's very humble, Jack. He, he he doesn't have any ego about him. He's uh, he's a really good young bloke and, geez, he can drive a horse too. But, uh, yeah, Courageous Saint was terrific. District Attorney, well, he's just... He's got raw ability, but he's just got to switch on. He, he just sort of half, once he got to the front, it was like he switched off, he hung in, he half waited for him, and then he picked himself up and come again. And hopefully he'll take a bit out of that. Um, sometimes they've got to do that sort of thing to learn from it, whereas, you know, he's probably never done it before where he's got in front and switched off. So... Although it's cost a favourite punters dearly, uh, I think he'll certainly uh, come off that run really well. I was uh, nearly in tears with Pars Guarantee. Uh, got it at $12. Thought if he finds the front, he's going to be so hard to run down. He just loves getting out in front and running. Idle times lined up. He did not want to hand up to him on 150 to 1 pop. It got beaten 50 metres. Pars Guarantee goes down less than two metres and absolutely fighting. So uh, he goes straight into my black book and I doubt we'll be getting $12 about him again. Celestial Fragrance got home good. It's more of a natural leader than a uh, sit sprinter, but it found the line well. Ever hoping, straight in the black book, it was just jig-jogging on their backs. It just had nowhere to go. Uh, it's a couple of runs it's had for the Sugars and Tubs stable now. It's just found a real leg, and, and it looks like it's got a little bit of future in front of it as well. So, uh, And even Cosimo. Cosimo's still got home in you know super times, but he just... I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever win a race for us. Not while we keep tipping him anyway. But, look, he's always going good and he'll always give you his best. But uh, he's a perennial place getter and, uh, you know, it was just sort of one of those runs again on Saturday night. Yeah, Ever Hoping definitely goes into my black book. Um, just, as you mentioned, just cruising up behind them, really. Um, another 100 metres clear air. You don't know what, what would have happened. But um, it's an interesting one with District Attorney. He just hasn't... It's, uh, it just hasn't had that uh, continuity of racing and probably hasn't learned the ring craft. The troll in the lead-up to this was excellent, and you might be dead right, and they might just have that little chat in the back room, might they, and say, I'll tell you what, just make sure you don't hit the front too early with this horse at this stage of his career. Try and time that run, which is basically what Courageous Saint did. Because Courageous Saint, you know, Jack Law could have all the humility in the world, but <laughs> Courageous Saint was sort of switching off himself and District Attorney was fighting back and then Pars Guarantee was fighting back. And it, it wasn't an easy win for Courageous Saint. It was a very narrow win because District Attorney was trying to turn back on um, and Courageous Saint was probably happy to sort of loom up and hit the front and sort of thought its job was done as well. So it was a really intriguing race. Pars Guarantee, I can see why you've thrown it in the black book. Prior to that, seven starts in front, six wins. And it was quite amazing to watch the way that Pars Guarantee fought back after it just looked absolutely cooked. The district attorney had just eaten it alive. But um, 
There's no doubt in the district attorney is a very, very good horse. But as a punting proposition at those kind of odds, it, we, we just it, it's that ring craft that we need to see, isn't it, Clevy? It is. And they've gone 153-1. It's good, um, it's good going. Really good going. And, and look, when you say about uh, pass guarantee and district attorney fighting back, the last quarter was 27-8. So it wasn't like they went 27-2 down the back and got home in 29, you know, and they just plotted home. That was the quickest quarter and, you know, well, the second quickest quarter, the first quarter was just quicker, but they went a lot quicker than the third quarter, which means that those horses, once they were struggling, shouldn't have been able to pick up and go again. So that's where I really give them a big tick for uh, the way they actually found the line. But the, th- the thing we know about district attorney, I, well, I, I, I think you would concur with this. District attorney has got a twenty-six for him. Like he's um, he's he's a really, really, really quick horse, really devastatingly fast horse. But he's um, he's still learning what the game's about. He put them to bed and then he let them back out of bed. Um, I think if he was one-one where Courageous Saint was, I think he wins this by fifteen, twenty meters. Well, he, he, I think yeah, if, if he's if he's hitting the front. If he's exploding in the 250, 300 metres later than he did, yeah, yep. that's the end of the story, isn't it? That's He's he's the best horse in the race. Don't get us wrong. It's just that he's got to learn um, He's got to learn his craft, and he's going to be a very good horse. Everyone knows it. Everyone's known it for a fair while. But ever hoping in my black book, and Pars Guarantee goes into the black book for Steve Cleave, along with ever hoping. Race seven. This would have put a smile on your face. You're a good mate of Lisa Moles, Cleavy, and... Valachi, we talk about horses who don't often win. Well, Valachi found a way to win the old warrior in race seven on the card. For home, though, Valachi put its head in front from Hurricane Hustler, then give it a try. Imperial's reason still getting home. Valachi's in front. Valachi from Hurricane Hustler. Valachi kicks on from Hurricane Hustler, give it a try. And Valachi's won it. From Hurricane Hustler, give it a try and a demolition derby. For home, and that's where Demolition Derby is what it was. 44-8 lead time. 29-4, 30.2, 28-5, Issues everywhere. Um, and one horse in particular who uh, started $1.95, misses a place, and should have won by more than 20 metres called Imperial's Reason, Clevy. Oh, that was just a massive run. Uh, just watching the replay again, you, you just keep watching it over and over again. It was a, you know, smash-up derby. It really was. It, uh, coming around the first corner, uh, Alan Tormey had a crack for the front with Omno Pumpkin, couldn't get there, saw a gap back on the fence, three pegs, said, right, I'm going for that spot. Put the brakes on. Zach Chapman hadn't seen it coming back to him uh, quick enough for reaction time and, and basically ran up the backsides of him and galloped, went out to last, then coming on down the back straight the last time, the leader, Zoliver, just got tired, hung out, uh, went back onto Stilicio Matuka's uh, legs. He hit a wheel and galloped, which then flattened the horse outside of it. And then uh, Imperial Reason get checked and had to go 27 wide at the 400 and still ran into it like it could almost win around the corner. And, uh, yeah, absolutely black booking. I know it won't be any odds, but it's got to win next start with any sort of clear run. But it was great to see uh, Valachi get up for Lisa. We spoke during the week. She's oh, he's just such a head-scratcher, this horse. He was in my race last week. And she said around the corner, he just wouldn't go. He was just dropping out. So she switched back to the inside. And then over the line, she was locking wheels with Shorty's mate and climbing over their backs of him. And he, he just needed to switch on. And, and they decided this week to drive him forward instead of back and talk about picking the right night to go forward because uh, 
Otherwise, she would have been right in the middle of that mishap uh, in the early part. So uh, going forward, certainly one of the race. And uh, I know Lisa was extremely happy and... <laughs> Mickey and Terry Lingard too, they, they were over the moon. They, they've uh, been around in this game a long time. Mickey had a great horse in Villa Gem years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see him still enjoying the, the thrills of racing. One of my absolute favourites, Villa Gem. Absolutely loved that horse. Loved him. Um, Valachi, well, Lisa and I have disagreed uh, before about Valachi, but there's just no doubt in the world, in my opinion, he's... He he's he's just a one pace warrior these days, and yeah, he wants. So basically, he's got two choices in his racing life. He needs them to go absolutely ballistic, or yep. he needs to be the one to create the pressure. Now that's the harder job, isn't it? But that's what he did. He was able to be there and be strong, and be on the scene in a fast run race, fifty six out of the twenty two forty. That sounds. Um, Pretty good going, but when you look at the sectionals, it was a war of attrition. When they're getting home in 28.5 and 28.6 horses with this kind of ability, you know that they're going up and down in the one spot, and that's what Valachi loves. He says, you get tired and I'll keep coming. Um, I love to see him win. He's uh, he's a horse that you just want to see keep going on. He's one of those horses you just think, give him more opportunities. And this is, again, going back to a, uh, a long-term bugbear of mine about not enough long-distance being races being on. I'm not saying he would be a, a great, brutal stayer, but he, you can just see Village with his lack of gate speed and his stamina and his uh, willingness to go 28, 28, 29, 29, that if there are a few more long-distance races, you just wonder whether Village wouldn't be winning on a far more uh, frequent basis, Clevy. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a little bit of, a, I suppose, a harshly done horse by the national rating system. He went up three grades without winning a race just by running multiple placings in metropolitan uh, grade. And I, I know the argument, hey, they're earning money, but earning money and winning a race is two totally different things. You know, you don't get a photo on the wall for running second. And uh, he had to go up a fair way and he's back into the grade now that he should be and uh, he's proved he's very competitive in that. And, yeah, I think the, his luckiest part, I think Lisa would have been happy just to sit in the death and keep that uh, tempo going. But when Major Manbar came around and had a dip for the front, that got him really fired up and that kept the pace on, which just suited Valachi down to the ground. And as I said, he wasn't going to stop up the straight and he probably would have gone another 400 metres at the same pace and said, uh, keep chasing me, boys. So terrific to see him get back in the uh, in the winner's stall. Lisa's had a couple of these that I used to be as well. And... If there is, I mean, there is no perfect system, is there? But if there's one slight knock, the national rating system is it's the probably the disencouragement to run placings, um, to run as well as you can in an attempt to win, and then you don't win, and you go up. So, but like we said, there is no perfect system. You can't you can't be creating a system where uh, you're not going up any ratings points for running a place. But it is Lisa has been particularly. Harshly done by with a couple of horses where you're not getting the big kill and you're not getting the big prize money payday and you're getting no easier races. But um, it was great to see Valachi win. Imperial's reason, just amazing. I, I think Huge. she's got to be – she's very good now. She's gone sub-155 in winning uh, two of her previous three before this. And I don't – I haven't looked at the sectionals, but the time – the last mile must be She did it again. Yeah, like yeah, it, it, just, just incredible. Fit. 58 6 a first half. Uh, my computer just decided to twist and turn then. Uh, 57 8 middle half. 56 1 last half. Last mile 154 74. Last quarter 28 04. Ticked 
almost every box for the race. The only other horse that got a tick was Hurricane Hustler running the quickest third quarter. So, yeah, it was just blue boxes lit up everywhere for Imperial's reason and uh, hard to see it not winning without uh, without any interference in its next start. Um, we've got a text from Big Fella, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment because we're going to talk about the Outlaw Man Shiela race in a moment. But there's one horse, quickly I want to mention before we go to a break, out of this race at 150 to 1 called Illawong Jovial, who got home pretty good as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, sort of been a bit out of form, but uh, it, it worked home really nice. And Mickey Bellman drove that uh, a treat as, as he does. But um, he, yeah, he's certainly going to be one to watch. I don't know. I don't know if he's how he's going to sort of. He's not one that you can really push early. Um, so I suppose his barrier draw dependent would be my thing on him. All right, time for a break. We'll come back, talk about Shayla and Outlaw Man. This was my big win of the night. The best value, getting the job done. And a horse I've got a lot of time for the winner. Back in a moment. It's Outlaw Man from Shayla. Halfway up the straight, Outlaw Man, three metres. Shayla's cutting down the margin. It's Outlaw Man and Shayla. Shayla going up to Outlaw Man. They're going to hit it locked together. Shayla won it. And uh, this made me very, very happy. Arvo, gents, what do you think of Outlaw Man leaving the 1-1 to go to the death seat to give cover to Shayla? Then Shayla ends up just running it down near the post. Would you not prefer 1-1 than the death seat? Not talking through pocket either, as did not back either. Enjoy your Monday and what an exciting weekend coming up, gents. Cheers from Big Fella. The only thing I'll say is, and I know I've got a love affair going with this mare, but she wasn't entitled to win. 42-9 lead time, and Laura Crosland's the one attacking for the front to try and get it off radius. It doesn't work out. Even when you do get cover after that, I'll be honest with you, I even gave up. So <laughs> I, I think that she... I, 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 I get where big fella's coming from, but I don't think you could, there's an argument to be made that Shoyala didn't 100% deserve this victory, Clevy. Absolutely, mate. Uh, look, Outlaw Man, as we saw, he's, look, his sixth win in a row was one of his best runs to date when he got out in front and just rolled in 152 and change. And, and I think that rolling suits him. Um, so yeah. I think Kate did the right thing. I mean, the, the leader had burnt, Shiala had burnt. She gets the death seat very easily. And, uh, I mean, Chani goes down a pimple. If she wins, you say, hey, that was a perfect drive. So it's a little bit, you know, sort of here or there. And I backed out more, man. I thought he was one of my best of the night. So um, I am talking through my pocket and I'm not, I'm not upset with the drive at all. I thought she drove the horse perfectly. We just got beaten by a, a horse that is back to her best. And now this mare... You've been crowing about her for a long time. I know you love her. I said to Laura uh, in Trot's Vision, I said, you've made one person in this world happy. And I said, I reckon I can hear him cheering right now. And that's Jason Bonington. I said, he's been black booking this mare for uh, 37 weeks. And I said, finally, uh, she's got back and done it. And I asked her about it because, like, if you have a look at her form, from January to May last year, she had seven starts. One of those, something happened in the race, they pulled her up out of the race. So really six starts for five wins and going absolutely super. Then her form went off. And I said to Laura, what's happened? And they said, look, she started tying up really badly and we had to find out what was going on and we had to change a few things with our training and our feeding and that just to try and sort her out. Now she seems to be back better than ever. That run, as you said, was enormous. She charged early looking for the front. She had no right to come again as hard as she did and to put her nose out on the line. Outlaw Man was in front, one stride from the line, 
and he was back in front one stride after the line. The only time Shayala had a nose in front was the stride right at the finish. So for her to stick her nose out the way she did, it was just uh, it was an amazing win. And as I said, I did me money, but I was I was wrapped to to see her win because it's great to see horses that we know have the ability get back to that form. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, you, you quite rightly talk about that um, that golden period um, up to May where. We're talking 155.5, 155.9 over the middle trip. This is 154.9. And um, I was actually watching the race with um, some non-racing experts and trying to sort of work them through what the times meant and everything. And when 42.9 came up as the lead time, <laughs> I'm just thinking, we are cooked here. We're and done. So for her to be able to lift like that, I mean, that's a very, very big win. Outlaw man, incredible. I think he's even turned out to be a better horse than maybe Andy and Kate Gath would have expected um, early doors. That, that's a very big run in the breeze, 154.9. But there were stacks of good runs in the race. Shorty's mate just... <laughs> Shorty's, mate will, Shorty's mate will just be winning one at 40 to 1 at some point. It'll just be three, four poles. They'll go berserk. Everything will work out. The gaps will all be there. And Shorty's mate will win. Um and that's why you can keep backing him each way. And I know it's been it's been a tough road for me backing him each way over and over and over again, finishing fourth and fifth and fourth and fourth. But the thing is, when he does lob at forty to one, um, all sins will be forgiven. Uh, and you're well in front. And even Kenny's butterfly, I thought was uh, was a good run. So it was that's going to turn out to be a very strong form race, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Magic Mike is really good as well. Shot his mate, as you said. By our time, race didn't suit it. It's not a sit, sort of try to dash home up the straight. It needs to be out and rolling a bit further than that. It went really good the week before when they popped out three wide in front of me, going to about the 500 metre mark. And that that's the sort of run that suits it better than waiting to the top of the straight. So I wouldn't even, you know, I'd just put a line through that run and just ignore it. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just just a not really suitable run. And as you say, Kendi's Butterfly, I couldn't believe the odds of it. I know it's well up in class, but it's been racing super through, well, the Vic Bread final. It ran second in. You know, it, it's certainly got a lot more ability than what its national rating says that it has. It's only a rating 63, you know, and it's racing some 80s and 90s here. But, uh, gee, it's going to have some fun with this horse, uh, Paul Parsons. She's certainly got a future. Radius, look, he, he did the early burn, but so did Shiala, and Shiala did more work. And, uh, yeah, there's a big gap between them. Poor Vanquish Stride, he's, he's actually got a good first up record. He, uh, I, I just wonder if something might be wrong because uh, he dropped out of it very quickly around the home corner. Yeah, I, I just can't. I'm not sure. I'm glad he won at Ballarat um, during the Inter Dominion series at Radius because uh, I was on for a stack on that occasion and I just fought back and I was able to win only twice before in its career to been in front for two wins. I, he, I just can't work him out. I just can't work him out because I feel like he wants. A pretty brutal tempo. I don't think he's a sort of sit up and sprint horse. He can't be too far off the speed. I don't know whether he's. I don't know whether his absolute best go in life is um, just sitting in behind them off a crazy speed. Whether it's going doing nothing early and then whipping around and trying to dominate races from outside the leader. But he's got me a little bit perplexed. That horse. Well, he's five. Yeah, he was huge in the Horsham Cup. Yeah. Five point five meters to like a wildfire. Like a wildfire would have been what dollar twenty in this race Saturday night. That's um, what, and, then, and then you don't expect this, do you? 
No, and and I just wondered. I don't know if leading's not his go because he he was huge early. Like he had to do some work in that race, and he still was climbing over the top of him at the finish. So maybe you know he he might have been better after the early burn, taking a sit on something like uh, Outlaw Manders, and maybe then he gets home strong. I I don't know. He he is a bit of a confusing one, and he doesn't win a lot, but he's certainly going good. But yeah, he's he is a very confusing horse. We might have the news now. Come back. And talk about congratulations, catch a wave three-year-old pace, won by a pimple by Captain Hammerhead. Back in a moment. Just catching up with Miracle Mile winning reigns woman, Kate Gath. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Kate? Yeah, it does. Something that I probably never thought would go together, so it's been good. No, that's terrific. It was a sensational win. The horse went amazing. We did have Andy chat before, so sort of just more go for you from a driver's point of view. Let us know how you're feeling. You're only the fourth female to ever win this race in 56th edition. You girls are really taking over this sport. I mean, you're at the top of the tree. It's such a level playing field, but taking out a miracle mile, it just me just an absolute dream. Yeah, it was. You know, it was something that was never really on my radar. Just a bit of a forgotten race for me just because it's hard enough to get in, let alone to win. So you kind of have to have that right horse to get into a race like that. And I'd never driven in one before. So, um, you know, it's the first horse that we've been able to get into the race. And then to come out and win it was just, um, yeah, nothing better. The start of the race, false start. How are you feeling? I mean, that's a scary thought. Were they going to leave you behind? Were they going to call it a false start? What was going through your mind? Yeah, it was. Obviously, we had the gear malfunction there. So, um, you know, once they turned turned around and come back, it was just all systems go again. And, um, you know, it wasn't... It's not ideal, but it wasn't too bad. When they... Uh, they you got to the front, um, I think... I was pretty happy to hand up with Spirit of St. Louis for you, especially when they saw another horse outside you pushing forward. They really let you get away with murder. I mean, the sectional she got away with mid-race. Could you believe you were getting away with such slow run? No, I kept looking in the second quarter because I didn't want to cop a burn because I knew I'd backed off uh, quite a bit and I was just waiting for something to come. So I was quite surprised that I was able to get the second and third splits that I got. The straight at Menangle is extremely long. You were in front and holding them very well. What was going through your mind? Did, were you not real confident until you got well, sort of the last 50 or at the top of the straight, do you think you had this one? Yeah, look, um, I mean, it's not a race that you think, oh, I'm just home here, but I was confident. Once I led and then got those cheap sectionals, I really thought it was, you know, Catchaway's race to lose. I thought if I can do everything right here, um, he should be able to win and, and hold them off. I was aware that Spirit of St. Louis was on my back and it's a pretty serious horse, but, um, and I did try to keep it initially around the corner. I sort of grabbed hold and stacked them up, but then Luke was under pressure in the death and was dropping off, so I really wasn't going to be able to keep Spirit of St. Louis in for very long, and at that stage, I'd got a pretty good breather in the middle, so... I was happy to just let him roll from the four and then really asking him at the two, and it worked out perfect. Just watching you go over the line, there was no big salute, but there was a couple of real strong fist pumps. That you could see how much it meant to you, and especially with all the emotion, you know, with the horse and, and what happened with Richard and everything else. But uh, the excitement of winning a Miracle Mile, and as I said, only the fourth female driver to do it. It's something that you can wear proudly and uh, put your name up in lights for forever and a day now. Yeah, thanks, Steve. It was, you know, such an honour to win it for the family, and they're like... Um, the Matthews family, that they're literally like family to us. We just love them to bits and we were able to catch up with them yesterday when we dropped Tex off up there to spell and it's just, um, you know, one of those 
great moments in sport, but would, would have been greater if Richard was here to see it, but hopefully he's watching from up above. Yeah, hopefully. Now, uh, on to the Eureka. Big and exciting new race that's coming up. $2 million race. If you're going to have someone helping out with a bit of a divine intervention, that's the race you want it for. Yeah, absolutely. After the chariots and the Miracle Mile, I'm not sure how, you know, how much more luck we could have, but we didn't get a lot of luck. You know, we had to sit parked in the chariots, I guess. So, But you always need that little bit, like finding the front of the Miracle Mile. But I'm really looking forward to it. And I think everyone's in for a real treat with horses like Leap to Fame, Captain Ravishing Luck. What a bunch of four-year-olds. It's going to be outstanding. And Hopefully we can all meet together in that race and all run our best and I guess um, we'll see who the best is. Absolutely. It's certainly an exciting lead up with the three of them going in as such exceptional four-year-olds. So. Here's Steve Cleave uh, talking to Kate Gath. Um, great interview and, yeah, she's just a ripper, isn't she, Kate? Um, uh, beautifully spoken and you can, you can tell the... Uh, the, the passion that she has for for racing and the passion that she has for the Matthews family and how important that win was. And I know Andy Gath was part of the coverage with Ryan Phelan as well. Now, I've said all those lovely things because we're about to hear the replay of Captain Hammerhead beating our video. And I'm wondering, hopefully you're not listening, Kate. How many meters? Three meters, Rosanna Rebel and Captain Hammerhead. Into the home stretch they go. It's Alvini. Just curls up a bit, shifted out. Rosanna Rebel hit a wheel there, and Captain Hammerhead's coming through. Alvini knuckling down again. Alvini and Captain Hammerhead, they hit it. Oh, I think the shark, the Captain Hammerhead, might have wanted a nose. Uh, yes. So they absolutely walked here. Single file, as expected. In fact, everything worked out as expected. Then just coming around the turn, I'm just watching it again right now. Kate saying, all right, we've walked, we've walked. It's time for you to go. Um, and then Alvini just got the speed wobbles up first up from a break. Tried to knuckle down again, but Captain Hammerhead's got through. Alvini is fighting back again on the line, but the momentum has shifted. And the shark, as mentioned by Dan Malecki, Captain Hammerhead gets the job done. Um, uh, discuss, Steve Cleave. Uh, yeah, a little bit like Queen Elida's race. I think, uh, I, I don't know why it is. And look, I know you, well, I do know why it is, but uh, you'd think it might be worked out by now. The smaller the field, the slower they go. And how often do you see they get out dashed? Now, these horses all deserve to be in these races. So it's not like there's that much between them. And the slower you go, the more you're letting them go with you. If all these horses can run 55 halves. If I just quickly bring up the last half of each of these runners here, 55-9, 56, 55-4, 55-6, 56-2 was the last horse, 56-2. So you've let every one of those horses into your playing field because you can all dash home at 55-56 half. But if you sprint, if you go along a little bit, as Chris alluded to with Queen Elida, they had a chance to maybe get get a bit of oxygen out of their lungs and make them chase and make her work to get her beaten. Uh, and, and they just don't do it. They just try to go as slow as possible. And 33-3, 31-7, that is literally fast work time. And then 29-6 is still fast work time and dashing home in 26-7. Probably the one thing that helped Captain Hammerhead, I believe, was the fact he'd had one run and it was a pretty brutal run two weeks earlier at Menangle in the Derby Heat. 
he had a little bit of fitness above our Vinny, and that's where he actually got him on the line. If if our Vinny was maybe second up, uh, it might have been a different story. But first up, I think uh, the, the the racing under the belt of the winner uh, just sort of played into his hands. Yeah, I I, I think well. There's a number of things here, but uh, you, the woman explained it. it. It's just the only thing we don't know is, as I watched Tim Zoo, uh, Punch Living Dialogue of Tony Harrison, um, <laughs> the only thing here is whether Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin sort of said to Kate, we reckon he's a little bit soft um, first up, so just protect him. But it is also just, I, I don't, in a way, I don't blame Kate or blame drivers when they do this because it is such a natural instinct. Absolutely. When you find the front to go as slow as you possibly can. But for all the reasons you've outlined, sometimes you are just letting um, inferior horses who can all run a quarter into the race. And it does become like a, uh, a trial type situation. This really was a trial. 216, 48 lead time, 33 3, 31 7. I mean, that is, that's a slow trial. And so Captain Hammerhead um, just builds up that little bit of momentum. Our Vinny, it's the hard bit too, um, Clevy, is when you are walking, some horses are push button, aren't they? But when you're walking and then even for the leader to, to sort of say, press button, now go as fast as you possibly can, that's where they can sometimes get unbalanced as well because they're... They're going from walking speed, not going through their gears, if you know what I mean. It's just going from walking to absolute flat chat. If she runs, say, 28-3, 28-4 down the back and gets home in 27-1, it's probably a different story. She probably doesn't get beat. But that's to say that she's gone from walk first quarter, walk second quarter, walk third quarter to flat out fourth quarter. Maybe just that extra 200 metres of running may have just changed the result. It wasn't much in it. It was only a short half head. But, um, but yeah, but I, t- I tell you the one to watch, though, for me. Rosanna Rebel. Uh, Rosanna Rebel, wow. <laughs> that thing is absolutely flying. Greg said, and, and look, Greg Sugars, as you would know, doesn't say a lot and he doesn't talk arrogantly. Yeah. He's always very quiet and very, uh, we may, we may not, rah, rah. He was very arrogant, in, not arrogant in rudely, but, arrogantly saying, hey, oh, mate, we're going to have a go at the front. We, we are coming out. He was very strong on the way he spoke. And, and that's not how Greg normally talks. So I, I stood up and took notice. I'm like, wow, when Greg speaks that way, you have to take notice of what he's saying. Unfortunately, it didn't work, um, but at least he had a crack. And then he went back to last. And you can see why he wanted to have a crack because the way that horse finished off was absolutely phenomenal. Every blue box is just lit up here. It's run its last mile in two minutes, 28-67 third quarter, 26-76 home, 55-43 last half. Uh, it is just going to be winning very soon. And it actually looked like it was going to run past him when our Vinny rolled out. And then it sort of dropped the bit. And, and, you know, you might look at the replay and if you don't take too much notice of it, you might say, yeah, didn't finish off that great. But it was going past our Vinny on the bit before it got checked. And and that was enough for me to say, right, you just got to black book this horse because uh, ignore the last 200, but right up until that point, it was travelling. Well, I, I thought you were going to say when you were talking about Gregory that he, uh, that he, that he said after the race that we were going to win because um, watching it, that's exactly what it looked like. And I, mm. yes, 
uh, exactly what you're saying. Sometimes you look at it and go, oh, well, you've been beaten still, you know. Uh, you know, uh, horse and cart in a bit, and you've you, you had your chance to balance up again. But particularly with young horses, with any horses, but with young horses, when you lose that momentum and you get unbalanced, it's it's. We've spoken about this before, Clevy. It's not the it's not the three meters that you lost from from the check or from um, from being hung out on. It is that, and then the momentum, and then picking yourself up again. And probably, to be honest, by the time. By the time that Rosanna Rebel had balanced up again, I think probably Gregory was aware that it was a forlorn task. But I'm with you. Visually, at least, it looked like Rosanna Rebel was about to go on by. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I said, just the way Greg spoke about it, I think that, you know, they knew coming into this race exactly how good this horse was going because, uh, as I said, he doesn't talk you know, like that very often. And when he does, you, you sort of got to stand up and take notice. It's a little bit like Gavin Lang, you know, you you barely got a word out of Gavin, but if he said, hey, I'm going forward, then you knew damn well he was going forward. And uh, and, and Greg's sort of very similar in his mannerism and, and whatnot as Gav. So, uh, yeah, when he said that, I, I, I really had to keep an eye on this horse. That, and, boy, it is absolutely flying. One more race to get through. It was quadrilled by an Aaron Dunn pair named Hot Deal and I Think. Now, Hot Deal won the race. But I wouldn't mind discussing with Steve Cleave, which is the actual better horse. You don't have to play it yet. We're going to go for a break and come back with that play on Ollie. And I think that I'll be answering. I think oh, I think might be the, I think I think might be the better of the, of the two horses. But Hot Deal was the one to win the final event, the Get Out Stakes at Melton on Saturday night. Back in a moment. Azora High, Ua Listo running a race and even I think is coming through after its stable mate, Hot Deal in front I think's cutting it down, will it get there? No Hot Deal just from I think, he got very close on the line Aaron Dunn, one, two and Hot Deal gets a job done and thoroughly deserved, it has been an ultra contestant horse, he's raced very well at the top level but something about that second horse I like, Clevy mm, You and me both I think it's a, it, it's got the, it's the cut of a very nice horse. And in, I talk about this regularly, but if you go past the line by about 30 metres, I think is is blazing on by Hot Deal and has so much more scope because we sort of, with Hot Deal, really lovely horse, but uh, what you see is what you get. We know that horse very well, whereas I think is um, a bit exciting. Yeah, it goes into the black book as well. I'll tell you what, I've got a plethora of black bookers this week. I don't think I've ever had so many black bookers yet at one night. At, uh, quite a few horses catching the eye, and this was one of them. Burnt the gate early, got the lead. Would have liked to have seen how it went if it had been able to hold the front, but uh, Andy's horse was fired up outside of it and uh, Azura High, and they, they end up letting it go, and it was climbing. It almost pushed Katie into the dust sheet. It was just climbing all over and waiting for the top of the straight to open up. Once it got clear air, it burst through, and I don't want to sound harsh on the young fella driving him. I mean, he's only 17, and he's only, this might have even been his first Metropolitan drive. But he sat up and stopped driving it before the time board, not thinking he was going to get the stable mate. And on the line, there was nothing in it. He, he possibly could have won it if he had kept driving it out, not saying he definitely would have. But, yeah, it's, it's something you don't really want to see when they do that. And I suppose the jockeys get pulled up on the lot, you know, when they start easing horses down. He, he never eased the horse down, but he did stop driving it out. But that horse just kept coming. And as you said, past the post, it kept rolling. So uh, definitely one straight into the black book. Spoke to Aaron Dunn in the parade ring. Uh, being a small field, I had a bit of a chance to have a good chat to him. And, you know, he said uh, 
hot deal, very nice horse. And I said, oh, what about the other bloke? Now, it's only had eight starts. It's a, the lightest race horse in the field. And he said, well, it's it's only had eight starts because it got laid off with a bad injury. I think it had a crack in its uh, back leg. And um, he said, at home, there is nothing between them. He said, this one works as, every bit as good as hot deal. And when they go over the line nose to nose, then what he said was absolutely spot on. And Hot Deals had 26 starts, nine wins, nine placings, and 108,000. This horse is now nine starts for three wins. And in 12 months' time, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, got more in the bank than uh, than Hot Deal. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. I re- there's something I really like about this horse, not just the performance, but just... It's got the look. It's got the look. It's got the pacing action. It's got... It's got that natural speed, and uh, no doubt um, the young fella, Dunny Willavetta, yeah, a word to him, probably happy to have won the race, Dunny himself. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, you can only get better. Here's my black bookers. You've got more than me, I think. Race one, uh, she's a tiny dancer goes in for me. Tick. Uh, race number four, Electro Jet. Yep. Race number five, uh, I didn't have one for race five. Race six... I'm putting in Ever Hoping. I know you've got a couple to come out of that race. Race seven, Imperials. Right? I mean, this is ridiculous. Imperials reason just got eight flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also going to throw in Give It a Try because I like the trial in the lead up to that first up run and Give It a Try. Or well, Give It a Try in ahead of the Winter Championship, four or five starts back, beat Catch a Wave. So we can get a pretty nice horse. And I'm also putting a little a little asterisk next to Illawong Jovial. And then uh, down the list... Rosanna Rebel definitely goes in, and so too does I think. So I've got stacks as well. Many of those will be yours also, Cleveland, but take us through all your black bookers. Correct. We've got six the same. So she's a tiny dancer, ever hoping, Electric Jet, Imperial's Reason, Rosanna Rebel, and I think we're both on those. I also throw in Heavily Charm out of race two. I just really like the way you hit the line from a quiet sit driven off a bad barrier. And Par's guarantee if he draws to lead and, and happens to find the front a little bit easier than he did Saturday night, the way he fought back in, in very quick time, I think he'll be winning very soon. And although we probably won't get $12 about him, we can only hope. But, uh, yeah, i got eight black bookers. As I said, I normally have three or four, but... Uh, Saturday night was just one of those nights. It was a real hard night to back a winner, but we certainly found that we a few that we can follow coming out of it. It was, it was as we go to the final break. Uh, it was a funny night where you, you look back and you say, "Well, it was hard to back a winner." But you look at the races, and I'm sure I think probably we were both all around the mark. Dan was really good. It was one of those nights where you could see a tweak here and there, and that's all it would have taken to be a, probably a blinder of a night on the punt. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we ran a lot of placings. That was the thing. We were in the money, but just, you know, when you back them to win and they run a place, it doesn't sort of help you out. So, uh, but we'll back up again next week and hopefully our luck can turn. Time for our final break here on the Metrospective Edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. Back in a moment. Oh, wet, wet, wet. It's wet, 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 sung that song back in the day. Um, that's just about our job done for the day. You can go and enjoy the rest of where well, there's no public holidays in racing. Is it? It, they're not real things, are they, Clevy? Uh, no, not with ours, but uh, are we having a quiet day today? It's a lovely partner's birthday, so uh, I'll be spending some time with her and Hugo and uh, heading out to tea tonight. So uh, it won't be a public holiday for me, but it'll be a bit of an easier day than normal.
Well, happy birthday. And also, um, what's on the menu? Where are we, what are we eating? Uh, probably steak tonight. There's a new brewery opened up in Lansfield. Uh, it's actually a really nice meal too. We've been there about six times since it opened in January. So uh, we're becoming frequent flyers. But, uh, yeah, they do a really good meal. So if anyone's in in the area looking for somewhere to eat, definitely give the, the Lost Brewery a uh, a bit of a chance. So you guys are already chowing down on porterhouses here? Oh, yeah. Not quite, yeah. Not, not quite yeah. Well, he's enjoying the smell of it, put it that way. <laughs> Easy. Uh, it's 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 a, a great fun age trying to go out with um, the little ones. Actually, probably not yet at the really destructive level. No, no, he's safe at the moment. We're okay. It's it's the next sort of six months we're worried about. It's the one where they get a little bit older and they just start throwing their fur around. And then, <laughs> as Bella did once in a high chair, the spaghetti bolognese just exploded out of everywhere. And it's, that's oh, lovely. So, lot to look forward to for you, Clevy. Um, appreciate your time, mate. It's been great fun as always. Talk soon. Thanks, brother. You have a good day. Au revoir and trackside coming up on track. Miles Fitzner's there. Who else is there? Tags. Of course, the captain. Tags and Milo at Mormonville for the Adelaide Cup. So make sure you enjoy that coverage. And I'll catch you again a little bit later on tonight, hopefully with the Peacock for the Lids flight from 6 to 10.